Master Yoda, sir. To what we owe in the pleasure of your transmission. Your help the Republic needs. Some things are telling me the big help you need, no? Senator Amidala, your longtime ally, trapped on an occupied planet she is. Hmm. Risa needs some thinking time to respond to this news. Thinking? No such thinking. Misa thinking Padme would help us, has helped us. Big time. We got to help her now. You saw right. Thinking times are done. It's a need to be leaving now. It's time for Send in the Clones. Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, our heroes try to get Princely Char to the ship so they can whisk him away to safety. But Darcy Separatist Commander rips Thames and destroys their ship, then creates a whirlpool and soon has our heroes in captivity. Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Anakin Tomasoka. It's your trusty Bell Robbie. What's up, everyone? And we are going to talk about the 68th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Jose Molina and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. It's season four, episode two, Gungan Attack. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know if there are any details you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week? Was this another one of those that sort of blends into the arc? It kind of does. I mean, I remembered that, you know, of course, by the name, we know that the Gungans are going to get into this fray. But I wasn't completely sure because this episode and then the following episode, there's a lot of battle scenes and and kind of scuffles. And I couldn't remember exactly how things played out. But but yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you watched it, Robbie, you would have seen that as has been said many many times Jar Jar Binks is a gungan of action so when his king says that he needs some more thinking time to consider Master Yoda's request for assistance Jar Jar declares in one of the most rousing speeches in the history of speeches that no more thinking time is necessary because Padme would help immediately if the situation was reversed and the gungan king immediately agrees these gungans don't mess around Robbie how do you <laughs> How did you like that moment? The Gungan King just flips. Yep, you're right. No more thinking time necessary. We're going to war. Yeah, it was, uh, that was pretty, like, okay. Well, then, I guess Jar Jar has more influence than we thought. You know, I mean, it was just kind of like, okay, that was quick. (laughs) You know, it's weird. And also effective in this episode, Robbie, it's Ahsoka. She really comes into her own as a leader slash advisor in this episode and we've seen her be in similar roles in the past but her story in those past episodes has generally been that she messes up in some way and that she learns from it whereas here she's pretty much on point at all times she seems more mature and more cool-headed in the story than we've seen her in the past yeah it's sort of one of those things that you know we've talked about in the past where you know sometimes depending on the situation or depending on the story you have our heroes kind of flip-flopping between being the agent of the plot, the person that messes up versus the person that gives wisdom. 
And in this case, I actually enjoyed it was something that I actually noted down that I enjoyed that Ahsoka was able to depart some wisdom in this episode. So, I mean, I think Prince Lee Char is the person that's sort of the, you know, where the plot surrounds, you know, and, and where some of his mistakes and some of his shortcomings are highlighted. And it's up to the Jedi to sort of show him the way, you know. And so it's it's cool to have Ahsoka in that role. Yeah, and it feels like progression, you know, it feels natural rather than some sort of contrived flip-floppy plot character thing, you know, it feels natural that she should be getting more mature and getting better at the stuff, and it looks like she is, and speaking of getting better at stuff, Robbie, shirtless Kit Fisto really comes into his own with his sweet submarine ninja diversion attack as our heroes try to make it back to their ship on the surface. He's doing that, you know, silent killer thing where he's sneaking up, taking them out, but unfortunately, Sharkman, Riff Tamsin also comes into his own and predicting exactly what our heroes are going to do. And he explodes their ship right as they begin to approach it. Who do you think did better in this episode, Robbie? Was it Shirtless Kid Fisto? Was it Sharkman, Riff Tamsin, who ends up... I mean, this is kind of a pointless question because Sharkman, Riff Tamsin basically wins this episode. Oh, for sure. But it's weird how... Like, I remember watching the episode, I was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, how... How did he figure that out? Like, how did he know that? I mean, it was just it was it was just a strange. Well, he would have known where the ship was, surely. I mean, they've got sensors and what have you, haven't they? So right. And you would assume, well, they're on the run. They're probably going to escape back to their ship. It doesn't seem like too much of a stretch to me. Well, yeah, but I mean, it seemed more of like the timing seemed to be more of a. Wasn't he tracking them or something? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there was just for me, it was a, a little bit of doubt that he would have that perfect of timing and you know, foresight. I guess the character itself doesn't seem very strategic, just more, you know, brute force. So the idea that he would be so cunning in his actions was a little, I wouldn't say off-putting, but it was, it was more like, like a convenience of the plot. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm looking past, like you said, some of the other details that they kind of presented, but I don't know. That's, that's just how I, I viewed it. No, that's fair. It's one of those things where when you reveal things about character like this, does it feel like a convenience of the plot or is this a piece of storytelling? Where it's really revealing that this character has more strings to his bow than you thought. So I think that's how I read it. You know, it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy is even more formidable as an opponent than I'd expected. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's it just makes him more strategic than I guess I took him credit for. I mean... I guess it's just because he felt like muscle to me. He didn't feel like somebody that would lead a battle. But, I mean, apparently, you know, that's where we are in that arc. He is the uh, the leader of this whole offensive. Yeah, I don't know. We've probably stayed on this point for too long anyway. <laughs> but how did you like the Whirlpool? I mean, speaking of strategy, or this is, I guess, more tactical than strategy. He unleashes these squid droids that we've seen a few times and that I always enjoy seeing. And he has them create a Whirlpool that he also uses his cover to grab Prince Lee Char and he fights off Ahsoka and then he fights off Kit Fisto. And in this episode, Rift Tamsin also has this legit terrifying roar every time he gets near the prince. And I thought, as a piece of sound design, this roar was really legitimately unnerving. I don't know how they created it. I don't know what real animals they built it out of, but I thought it was a really great touch from Brian Kalen O'Connor and whoever else came up with it. And obviously we know that in real life, sharks don't roar, but you know, <laughs> this is not... A shark, this is a Kakarodon, and I really loved the way that this roar kind of sent a shiver down my spine just as a visceral piece of 
sensory overload or something? How did you how did you like that roar, Robbie? Yeah, for me the the roar wasn't as uh, I guess memorable to me as the man. Maybe it's because you know I <laughs> I don't spend a whole lot of time in nature, but uh, it's just not something that kind of took me aback. What was kind of interesting to me was you know you talk about this whirlpool scene, just the visuals of it. There just seems to be. Even if maybe if the story isn't quite as effective as some of the ones we've had before, the visuals have certainly stepped up. Yeah. You know, and I, I there's a technical prowess being shown here. Even if it isn't maybe as colorful and as visually arresting as some of the, the previous episodes, but man, the particle effects, just the, the when the ship explodes and they're holding on to the debris as it's falling, some of that looked real. Like, it looked very, very effective, and that was one of the things that I noted was just, it was like, uh, visually, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, Robbie. We're even 138% that scene of the debris floating down, and, and the improvised tactic of grabbing onto those pieces of debris to help them get to, to the bottom, you know, I thought that was a pretty sweet idea. I mean, maybe this was another example of Star Wars having a playful relationship with physics, because it seemed like the... You know the pressure gradient in the water column just had no effect. You know when you go, yeah. when you go. There's like, I mean, it's, there's not even any point bringing it up because it's Star Wars, right? But it was one of those things where I thought, man, that looks cool, but I wouldn't want to do it. You know? Yeah. And, but then again, you can sort of think of the humans are in these suits, the other animals that live in the water. You know, they probably evolved to handle fast descents and ascents through the water column so you know fine it all works fine and it would like i'm just going around in circles trying to explain away something that doesn't need to be explained away at all but i just really love the idea of this uh weaponized whirlpool as well and speaking of things that look great robbie let's get to our favorite shot of the episode but so i don't steal yours how about you go first what was your favorite shot of gungan attack well yet again i pick a a shot that's above water <laughs> and it's when the Venator class destroyer comes through the clouds uh, I mean it's a technique that they've used in the one that sticks in my head is the Force Awakens when the Millennium Falcon comes through the clouds on Act 2 and the clouds sort of wrap around the Millennium Falcon as it comes through the clouds it's the same effect that they do here with the Venator class coming through I mean I'm a sucker for that I just love it there's something about it that it just sticks in my head but there's also some other cool shots that i or or fun shots that i noted but i'll let you uh i'll let you say your favorite shot before i start yapping about those well my favorite shot of gungan attack robbie was right near the end of the episode when everyone is captured and we see anakin surrounded and pretty much surrendering and there's this airy fast underwater metallic clicking sound i mean speaking of the sound design in this episode there's this airy clicking sound that was legit spooky and i think it was the battle droids making that noise i don't know it's not even clear what it is but it is legitimately unsettling and then all of a sudden in this moment of high tension something spins through the scene and we see that it's senator mina tills and our hero jar jar binks locked in a very tight embrace that was my shot of the episode robbie <laughs> That's one of the ones I was talking about. Is like the way that they spin through and then they stop and then they both yeah. kind of jump and I, yeah. that cracked me up. And then they up. grab each other even tighter and start shivering. Yeah. It just, that was... It's classic. Yeah, it was funny. It was really, really funny. Classic physical comedy. And then, uh, you know, my other shot that I was going to talk about was similar to one that you'd picked uh, on a previous episode, but it was Prince Lee Charan and Ahsoka fighting back to back. 
it just looked kind of neat because oh uh, yeah because there was a sort of a nod to each other and then they go back to to fighting it was it was just kind of neat it was a cool little shot yeah and i also really like that shot just after jar jar says we saw ready and we see dozens of gungans i mean this goes back to the star destroyer when all the gungans are airdropping from the star destroyer and it's just a long shot you know from the side they all just rain down into the water, into the briny deep. I guess I'm always a sucker for airborne invasion scenes. And less of a visual thing maybe, but since we're on Jar Jar, when Jar Jar's troops turn up to help Padme and Anakin out of their sticky situation, Anakin tells Jar Jar that his timing is perfect. And then Jar Jar says, What's that? Misa can't hear so good. Since Misa... And then he said, I can't... There's something that he says there that I didn't get what he said. It sounds like since Misa Mirja Abba or something, and I didn't get what he said. And I watched that part five times, and it seemed like Anakin understood him, and I guess Padme, but I couldn't understand the words there. I didn't. Did you get I, it? I didn't recall. I don't recall. I mean, I mean, obviously it wasn't vital because it's just Jar Jar goofing around. But you can usually understand. I mean, every other word that he's ever said in any Star Wars thing, you can easily understand what he's saying. You know, you can interpret Jar Jar or. Gungan, you know, but that one I didn't get what he said. I couldn't pick it up. Well, I had the subtitles turned on, so I probably it probably just was fine. I just didn't. I don't remember what he said. Well, I was at a loss too, Robbie. But what I'm not at a loss at is thinking of a rating for this episode, Robbie. So let's sum up and give our ratings. After your third ever watch of Gungan Attack, how did you like it, and where does Gungan Attack sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I will say that I did enjoy this one a little more than the previous episode, but I still can't in good conscience completely recommend it. So I'm going to give it a two and three quarter stars. Like if you're going to be a completionist and watch all of them, I mean, this one's better than the last one. But yeah, I can't just like completely recommend it. Yeah, I had pretty much the same line of thought as you, Robbie. The one thing that makes this one better, of course, is it has Jar Jar in it. So that automatically kicks it up a point or two. And I have this at six Shark Man Rift Tams and Roars out of ten. And that's Mission Accomplished for Season 4, Episode 2, Gungan Attack. So, Robbie, would you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Sure, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B U C H O A N D R O B B Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 69th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's going to be Season 4, Episode 3, Prisoners. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. be with you.